You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 132. Today, I'm sitting down with coach Kim Perry, and we're talking all about the pre-postnatal athlete. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson. And if this is the first time you're hanging out with me, welcome. Thank you so much for pushing play today. I'm super pumped to bring to you today's episode. So I'm sitting down with Kim Perry, who's an entrepreneur, fit pregnancy coach, mom of three, and strong believer that new and expecting moms can be both fit and happy. After becoming pre-postnatal certified, she began to share her workouts online and slowly built a close-knit community. She went from recording and editing videos in her basement at 5 a.m. before work to eventually quitting her full-time teaching job, and she shares it all with us inside of this episode. We talk about the common myths that people deal with when we are working and we talk of, we break down the common myths and misconceptions that people have about working with pre-postnatal clients. And she shares with us how she built her business and, and shares with us her lessons and some of the things that we can be looking at when we are working with our pregnant clients, because we are oftentimes the first line of defense. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. Kim, welcome to the show. I'm super pumped to have you. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So for those of you who have never heard of you before or gotten the chance to work with you or talk to you, I'd love for you to share a little bit with us who you are, who you serve and how you got there. Okay. I'm Kim and (laughs) a lot of people know me for my fit pregnancy workouts. And I am known for working with pregnant women or women who want to be pregnant in the future, and then postpartum mamas. So I help them navigate pregnancy um, and just maintaining their health and their strength during that very special time of our lives. <laughs> and I got started because I I was in like the fitness community online, but I kind of, um, I don't know, I, I <laughs> my account was like secret, like none of my family knew about it. I felt like I was bothering people with my gym workouts, you know? Um, (laughs) so I started kind of anonymously, but I, I built like a little mini community and then I got pregnant and I just felt like there was no space for pregnant women in the fitness community. It was not a thing back in 2015 where everyone was like trying to shred and cut and bulk and all these things that like when you're pregnant, that is not, that should not be your priority (laughs) necessarily. So I just felt really like left out and I had to like figure out what fitness looked like for pregnancy and for myself um, and like just re-identify. And then my second pregnancy, I shared more of those workouts and I got a lot of questions because a lot of my community was then becoming pregnant. Like, what do I do? What workouts are you doing? Like, what, what am I not supposed to? Just so many questions. And that's when I got certified because I really 
I, I mean, I had done the research and I was like, I don't feel a lot better about <laughs> helping these other pregnant moms if I am, am certified for this. So I got my certification and then started developing programs. So oh, I love that you share that because I actually was pregnant with my first daughter in 2015 as well. Oh. Yeah. And I remember that at the time I was a fitness manager. And so I, I remember, you know, it, it is a, you know, primarily male dominated industry and it's not to, for better, for worse at where I was in Manhattan, I was just working with primarily males and that was fine, but none of us had experienced <laughs> pregnant life. And so right. I, it was just, it was so funny because my sister had given, and I can't say none of us, there was a couple dads or one dad, dad, but, um, the, when my sister had given me the advice of don't Google. And I kind of took that advice to the extreme where when, by the time I got into the hospital, my sister was like, Hey, you're still going to look pregnant after the baby. And I'm like, what? No, what are you talking about? The baby's out. So wait, you didn't Google anything. You were I just like, I'll not. just, I'll just I find just, out when it happens. I correct. was kind of that way too, in the, in the sense of like, don't, I don't want to know what I'm not supposed to. Or, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be like naive and like happy yeah. versus stressed yeah. out. Google was, you know, I didn't, but then, you know, it was just a very interesting time. So even, even then, which is six years ago. Mm -hmm. So in, in retrospect, that's not that long, but at the same time, there was just nothing. It felt like there was no, there was not a lot of information out there well, for moms who were active. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is there was workouts out there for pregnant women to, to start moving their bodies, but they were not like something you and I who were regularly in the gym five, six, seven days a week doing advanced plyometric type boot camp style workouts. And now we're being told, Hey, here's some prenatal workouts here. And they were so I couldn't, I'm like, that is, I was like, I hate prenatal workouts. These are, these suck. They're so boring. I'm not sweating. These don't fulfill. And like, I don't always work out for like, like the physical reason. Like my mind needs to be put to the test of like the endurance and like, it's the mental challenge. I like, and I did not get that from prenatal workouts. <laughs> like, I did listen. I did do prenatal yoga because I also need that mental aspect of like just breathing and that calming time, which I don't make enough time for. So I did have to force myself to do that like once every other week. Um, but yeah, the prenatal workouts are what they used to be. were not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had to I just, yeah, I was not okay with it. I was not okay. I was like, something needs to change. So For did sure. you do any of them or you just like, didn't really know? No, I, I didn't. I was just like, I feel normal. I feel the same in my body. And at the time I was certified in, in pre-postnatal. And I'll tell you this, right? My certification, certification is a double-edged sword. Since that time, I have taken many brilliant certs after that, right? Because mm -hmm. I went down that rabbit hole of realizing, oh, there's a gap for moms here who need support because it's more than just movement. You got hormone, hormone, hormone changes. The fourth trimester is brutal. Right. And so, it, you know, there was a lot. So but I realized that even though I was certified, there's a difference between taking in information and then implementing it and actually knowing it. And when you don't really have a reason to do so, your brain's just going to let that go. And so when I took this cert, when I'm 20, you know, six years old, 
and I had no inclination of being a parent mm-hmm. at the time, you know, mm-hmm. you took surface level, like don't do planks when you're pregnant and have diastasis. Like that was kind of the basis of my knowledge. So, yeah. And going off of that, and like, I don't, I feel like there are a lot of moms listening to this. So like, you know, like you don't know what it's like until you know, like you've been there, you've lived it and experienced it. So I personally try to make it a point to work with other mom. So like I have a nutritionist, she's a mom. I have a pelvic floor specialist who had her first baby. Like I just love people that have not just read about it, but who have lived it. And they're just more like understanding and have that little bit of compassion (laughs) to when they're talking to moms. Um, I, I just in the past have worked with a nutritionist who had never been pregnant. (laughs) So I was like, oh gosh, like I know it says that in your science book, but yikes, I don't know if you, if you've been pregnant, I mean, I feel like you shouldn't be limited to like half a cup of strawberries. (laughs) That was just an example, but like, I don't know. I craved fruit when I was pregnant and she basically told me like, you know, you really should be using moderation. I was like, excuse me. Tell me how much watermelon I can have. I freaking love watermelon. Oh my gosh. There is definitely a difference in level of knowing when you've lived it. And that's not to, you know, sometimes trainers will get into their, their head. That doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean you can't train unless you are a mom. Like there, we can make, we can make, no, absolutely. It just means that it's a different level of compassion and knowing and empathy that is required when working mm-hmm. with special populations. And I would mm-hmm. put moms in there at least mm-hmm. that time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like it's really cool being able to like meet other moms in the industry or like other moms that have this similar fitness interest and being able to bond between that and motherhood, it just is something special. Mm-hmm. Great. I'd love for you to, you know, what, since we're talking about the special population, I'd love for you to dive in a little more into, you know, for those of us who might not be a mom, or maybe we are a mom, but we're working with moms. Can you share with us a little bit more, and especially the prenatal side? I'd love for you to talk about, you know, how you prep moms for moving into this season of pregnancy and what are some of the differences and nuances that you see in the industry? So I do, I mean, the first thing I always preface, I'm like, listen, every pregnancy is different just because you saw Sally doing CrossFit at nine months. Doesn't mean that's going to be your experience. Or for me, I had only had like a very small amount of like people in my close circle that have been pregnant at the time when, when I first got pregnant and, you know, fitness wasn't like a priority for them. So I thought like, oh, geez, like, I'm probably not going to, am I not supposed to like work out after I have kids? Like, do people not do that? Like, I didn't have an, like an an image in my head. So anyways, I just want everyone to know if you are thinking about becoming pregnant, if you're entering that stage of your life, don't compare yourself to anyone Mm. or don't like put or project and any image into your future. Cause you get to create your own. So I always make that very clear. And then (laughs) I'm laughing because I don't ever want to say like, disregard what your doctor says. You should definitely listen to your doctor. <laughs> However, you know, your body, you're laughing. Cause you know what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> there's these, like, there's these rules I, or like things yeah. that are written on the, some are written on the internet. Some are like, 
the rules and I'm kind of a rule breaker. And I'm like, you know, it's set like, and this is like pregnancy myths we're getting into now. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of myths, like you can't have sushi. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not the sushi you can't have. It's the uncooked fish, which that's a whole nother stuff. But you know what I mean? Like if I, I say in the whole fruit thing, like I gave that example, like only have mm-hmm. a half a cup of berries. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's like, I am not, you, you don't fit into a box. I don't fit into a box. There's no one manual for every single pregnant woman that will apply to them. So everyone is going to be different. Use your best judgment. And I also love to encourage, um, that learning process. Like, I think that knowledge is power and the more you know about your body, the, the better it's, or the easier it's going to be for you to navigate these changes. Because that was the thing with like, let's talk about our core for a second, right? (laughs) During pregnancy, it is the most affected area of our bodies during pregnancy, because that's where the baby is. Those are the muscles that our baby is underneath. And when you understand like the parts that make up your core, I think it just, it helps your mind make sense of it and learning about how those muscles work and like what they're responsible for. And then what, what's, what's going to happen after you have a baby? Like you said, you're still going to look pregnant, but like, well, those muscles aren't just going to sit there. Like they're going to still be working. I don't know. There's just like so much information, which can be overwhelming, but I think just understanding the basics of your body and pregnancy just will go such a long way. Yeah. I was laughing about the doctor comment mostly because, you know, there is this sense of assumed authority and we actually talk about this a lot in, in marketing is, you know, and this is why I always go against the grain around no like, and trust is that, cause it's really about, it's really about authority and belief in you and belief in your offer. And so you get to uh, have a, you get to borrow authority, whether it's just because of your doctorals or your, your, you know, certs that people already know, or your doctorate that people already know or recommendations. And so because of that, doctors get this, this automatic authority in movement and they might not, and some are, but not all doctors and not all OBGYNs and not all people that moms go to as their first line of defense are the experts in Mm -hmm. movement and pregnancy. And yet they're the ones who women trust. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily bad. It's just something to... be aware of so that you get to make your own decisions about, you know, your body. Right. Because those doctors, they have to know like a little bit about everything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a little bit about everything. So they know a little bit about nutrition, a little bit about fitness, a little bit about this, that. Um, So that's why when you work with a nutritionist, like, you know, they know all of the nutrition, they're not giving you just surface level information. But yeah, and that's something it took me three pregnancies. Like it wasn't until my third pregnancy that I really started questioning, (laughs) not questioning doctors, but like labor. I didn't realize like how natural it is and how many centuries women were giving birth, not in a hospital Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that everything that they do in the hospital should be an option. Like you don't have to lay in the bed. You don't have to be hooked up to all the money. You don't have to do all of those. And I took, I took a course. Uh, one of my friends is a nurse, um, a labor nurse, 
and she offers an online course about like knowing your rights, knowing your role and mm-hmm. knowing your options, just because I, like I said, it took me three births to really understand like, oh, wow. I thought you just like do what the doctor tells you and you go in there and the doctor says, okay, push. And you're supposed to, no, that's not how, did you know that? <laughs> did you know, seriously, like you're not supposed to push when they say you're supposed to push when it feels like you're supposed when you're to ready. Push. Yeah. Yes. Well, I just feel like there's so much education missing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think that as a, you know, as a professional or a movement professional, p- personal trainer is that we get to be the, if you're working with active moms, we get to be the first line of defense right afterwards and during. And a lot of moms will ask you like, what should I do? And I think it's in our nature to be like, oh, well ask your doctor because that's what we're told to do. Mm -hmm. Delegate, 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 which is Mm -hmm. great. And I don't want to discourage that. But when you know just enough, just even a little bit, then you'll be able to delegate to the right person. Right. And I feel like doctors will know more of the client's information that we wouldn't know. And like, I, I work, like I get DMS from hundreds of women every day. Like, so I don't know anything about some of the people that I'm answering their questions other than, Hey, I'm 12 weeks pregnant. Like I can't give you customized, like as much I have to, I have to preface everything, but like, you should really check with your doctor, but this is what I know about that. So yeah, check with your doctor. So I'd love for you to dive in more. Like, what are some of the big common myths that you see that is that, that women are hearing about pregnancy and movement? Well, fortunately, I feel like there has been like a bigger movement and like awareness in the fitness space of pregnant women still like being able to do whatever. Now I feel like the myth that I'm seeing is, and this one's tough, but a lot of women are like nervous to work out Mm -hmm. they're being, and I feel like they're frightened because they read something on the internet or their doctor gave them information from like 25 years ago with not reliable sources. Um, and it's so tough because like, I know from my experience, I, I kept questioning myself. I'm like, should I not be going to the gym? Should I not be doing these intense workouts? But someone pointed out to me and she's, she actually has a similar background to you. She was in New York city, like doing the hustle in the, in the gym space and the fitness community. And she's like, Kim, if you, if you totally stop working out, that would be such a shock to your entire nervous system. Your body is used to this. Your body is capable and it knows what to do. If you were to totally change your life and do like, just stop working out or just I don't know. It would just be much more of a shock than just continuing safely, obviously. So that to me, yeah. So I guess the biggest, one of the myths I see is that girls are nervous to exercise. And during that first trimester, they think like, okay, I'm pregnant now. I need to make all these changes when in reality you don't. And in the first trimester, typically you don't have to make any changes unless your doctor says otherwise, or there's some other underlying condition, you don't have to make changes because your body hasn't really transformed much (laughs) to Mm -hmm. for your pregnancy. You feel like it is because you're growing a placenta and a tiny baby in your body. Most women in the first trimester are like dragging, Mm -hmm. you know, so tired, the fatigue, the nausea. (laughs) And that's actually the time where like, 
you know, I hated pregnancy. This yeah, is like bringing me back. I mean, this is bringing me back. My youngest was born in 2017. <laughs> I had two, you had three. That's insane. Love you. Love you for it. God bless all those moms with more than multiples. But I, after my second pregnancy, I was like, no, never again. Never. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. The pregnancy was definitely hard, but I also like enjoyed it. I love the third trimester, <laughs> which was your, which was your least favorite trimester. Cause mine was the first, I hated the first trimester. Uh, well, like you said, every pregnancy is different. And mm-hmm. so I had, I had really challenging things for each pregnancy. So my first trimester in with my eldest daughter, was terrible because I had fibroids and as the, so I had a lot of pain in my first and second trimester. So everyone talks about like, Oh, the second trimester is the honeymoon. I did not. (laughs) And then in the third trimester, I was like, please get this baby out. And then with my youngest daughter, I was sick. I was sick for first and second trimester. I was just really sick. So Mm -hmm. my doctor was like, you need to eat. Otherwise baby, it's not going to grow. And and I was Mm -hmm. like, but I can't put anything into my body because I can't, nothing is staying in. So my first and second trimester were challenging. And then, um, and then with Abby, the third, because I was already like, I was, I got pregnant and then I looked second trimester in the week four. So she was big. She was so big. But then when she came out, she was not big. It was just my body was like, oh, we've done this before. We know yes. what to do. Right. And I feel like the nausea thing or like the sick, that's a big myth is like, oh, you're nauseous in your first trimester. And then second trimester is great. It's like not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I had nausea. I, I never really like got sick my first pregnancy, but I was nauseous every day. Mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't understand like, wow, if I eat something to stabilize my blood sugar, <laughs> I yes. will not just, but in my head, I was like, I don't want to eat because I feel so sick, but I didn't realize that the cure was to eat and that I wouldn't feel sick anymore. But yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. yeah, experiences it differently. And it's my first was definitely my hardest. I think my body like wasn't red. It was like, what is this foreign? What is yeah. this foreign? Oh yeah. Thing? That's how it felt. It <laughs> felt like I was like, my body was under attack. Like I went from feeling like my prime to like mm-hmm. sick every day. And you don't yes. realize like how good you feel on the day to day until you feel sick every day. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wow, my health, like I should have cared or like really showed more appreciation. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. Gratitude. We hear one of those things, right? It's like one of those cliche things we double tap on Instagram, but it's just so true. I remember like, I remember laying in bed after my cesarean thinking, am I ever going to sit up again? Oh my gosh. You know, am I ever, is it Mm. ever going to be easy to get out of bed in the morning? Right. It's just so interesting. So, you know, you bring up a good point. I'm curious about, I'm curious, you know, for you, when you're working with your moms and when they come in, I have two things when they come in sick and feeling not good. Like, do you usually make the recommendation to move, to eat? Like, what are some of the things that you do as a movement professional to help them stay active? And then the second thing is, I think there's also a flux of women that get pregnant and they're like, okay, now I want to start moving. 
And maybe they hadn't moved in the past. Like, what do they do? Because you hear the advice, just do what you've always done, which is also not that great. (laughs) Do you hear that? But then what if you're like, can, does that mean then you can't just get started now? And what does that look like? And how's that different? Okay. So I'll, the first one, if someone's not feeling that great, I always try to say like, if you're in your first trimester, it's survival mode. There <laughs> should be no pressure for you to get out of bed at 5am, five days a week. <laughs> like I don't put that kind of pressure on my friends. Like n- no. So <clears throat> I do say like rest, you your body needs rest. One of my friends, she hasn't even told anyone she's pregnant yet, but she is sleeping like all day on the weekends. She's like, I will wake up at 10 30 in the morning, eat something and then go back to bed all day. And I'm like, girl, do it rest. Your body is demanding that you sleep. And then if you're not feeling well, I do say like, listen, one remedy for this, like fatigue and for nausea is to move your body. So if you can set a timer for 10 minutes, putting on your sneakers will be the hardest part, but if you can even just like go outside for a walk, you get fresh air, you're getting a little bit of movement. It's going to help boost your mood, give you a little energy surge. Maybe you'll have a little bit of an appetite. Just, it has to be something small for them, like a small goal, something attainable that they know, like, Oh, 10 minutes. That's it's nothing, but it still feels like a task. (laughs) So if you can start small, so that's why I have like really short workouts that I um, implement. And then if they, they're feeling good after the first round, they can complete another and another. Um, and then for the second person who's like, I never worked out, but I'm pregnant. And I want, I, if this is what I get, I don't want to gain weight. I don't want to gain too much weight. I don't want to get fat. Like all these things. I even have people say like, Hey, can I gain muscle when I'm pregnant? And I'm like, listen, first talk to your doctor, because I don't know what underlying conditions are going on. And, uh, I don't know, like your height and weight. I don't know all the details. Right. So, um, the priority though, like let's set that goal for after you have the baby and pick a different goal for right now. Like maybe your goal is to start, like you've never worked out before. How about we start with like three or four days a week, three days of like strength training. And then one day with, which is like an outdoor walk or hike or some type of activity um, that you can do with the family or your spouse. So I try to set those small goals and just say like, we're going to work our way up to, to like this being a habit. So we're just making a habit out of exercise and eating right. And here are the tools because I really, my goal honestly, isn't for everyone to just buy my programs and do my workouts. I really want people to be able to understand their bodies and be able to take the modifications that I teach them and apply them at a local fitness studio. Like I want people to be able to go to orange theory and be like, Oh, well I'm seven months pregnant. So I'm going to use a modification for that plyometric move. So that's my goal. And that's kind of what I, I try to do with the small goals. And I love that. So what do you do for your women who come to you that are new, you know, that they've not worked out before, or maybe they have, but they haven't been they're not, you're active and they're not, uh, but they want to start getting active through pregnancy. Yeah. So that's the person that I want to just say, like, let's set a small goal three or four days a week. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. So you, you do small, small, but it's not like, but you still let them get their heart rate up. How many women still come to you? Like, I'm afraid to get my heart rate up. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. That number there's like <laughs> I think it's 140 or 145. And this article, like they, here's the thing. If you've never worked with pregnant women or if you've never been pregnant and heard this number before, like your heart rate is supposed to be under 140, but you cannot test things on pregnant women. It's just unethical to the, to the woman, to the baby, to make them like test bunnies and say like, let's see how high we can get her heart rate. So basically they came up with this ballpark number. So like 140 sounds pretty safe. Um, which if you're active and you know, like your max heart rate and you're, you know, you can calculate that with your age and everything. So if you know your max heart rate and you get pregnant and you're like, wait, I'm only allowed to get to 140. <laughs> That's like a brisk walk for some people. Maybe I was, uh, I was laughing because <laughs> I'm pretty sure my heart got above 140, just going up the stairs, chasing my toddler when I was pregnant. With <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It's so true. And that's the other thing. Like, <sighs> like you, oh, they ask, they expect you not to be able to like lift over, it's like, don't lift over 30 pounds. It's like, I have three kids. Like, how am I supposed to, I, like, do you know me? Like, this is my lifestyle. But, um, so, but what I do for like the whole heart rate, if you're nervous to get your heart rate up and not even worrying about numbers, because that's, I don't want people stressed out about numbers. Just use the, the rate of perce- perceived exertion scale one through 10, right? 10 is like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. Can't breathe. I need a break. Can't even talk, right? So one is you're laying down comfortably resting. So I tell my pregnant mamas, say your your six and seven is gonna be like your new max. Seven is good to aim for during your workouts, but you really don't want to push. Like it's a it's a challenging feeling, like, oh, this is hard. I'm breathing heavy. I can kind of talk. I'm like really feeling it. You don't want to push yourself much more than that because there really isn't a need to. You're working your body, you're strengthening your muscles getting that endurance, that cardio work, you don't need to go beyond that. We're not, we're not there right now. That's for some time postpartum that we can be in that push, push yourself to the max. (laughs) Your new 10 is now seven. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I like that because it works for someone who's a beginner, but it also works for someone who's really advanced in fitness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. I really like that. Uh, now I'm also curious, you know, you hear the, you hear a lot, the, in addition to like myths, you know, about, about 140, what about relaxing and the idea of as your body's growing and being hypermobile, oh. like how, how do you navigate that? Not that it's a myth, myth, relaxing is not a myth. I'm just curious like, for the record, be put on record, uh, but what, you yeah. know, <laughs> it's just another one of those things that, that like, that Oh, you're pregnant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So basically relaxing is a hormone that your body produces more of during pregnancy, which causes your joints to be a little more limber. And so basically when you're talking about mobility, this is, this one's a tough one because everyone's different. Some people are still not flexible at all when they're pregnant. They feel like less flexible because their mobility is compromised. They can't twist or move. So basically you're supposed to, when you're stretching, just like doing some nice, nice, deep clearing breaths while stretching versus like pulsing in a stretch, because that's where an injury can happen. But I do think like stretching is really important during pregnancy and relaxing because we focus so much on, you know, maintaining our strength and we don't focus on 
releasing and relaxing, which is really important for labor. Like I didn't, again, it took me three pregnancies to learn this myself, but for labor, that's what you need your cervix to do and your pelvic floor. You want those muscles to relax, open so that baby comes out easily. (laughs) And if those muscles are too tight or overactive, I should say active, not tight. If they're active and your body is trying to open, it's just, it's, it's going to take a little longer. It's going to take a little longer. So another example of this for anyone that's working with a pregnant woman or currently is pregnant, um, because I basically, let me tell you my labor story. I don't know if you know. Yeah, please. Yeah, please. Yeah. No, tell me. Blake was my third baby. There wasn't on, um, what is it called? Like a, a nurse who was doing like her practice her breathing, like an intern, not an intern. There's a word for it. I don't a resident, a resident. I don't, I think it's like before resident. Like she was in school still. Okay. Okay. So an intern. Listen, I'm getting my medical knowledge from Grey's Anatomy. So (laughs) (laughs) me too, but my husband's in there with me and this like intern nurse who like anything, she basically, anything she did to me, the other, the real nurse had to double check her. Cause she was okay. there for like a learning experience. And they did ask me when I got in, they're like, Hey, she's here for like learning. Is it okay? And I, I was okay with it. Cause I love that. I'm like, I want to help yeah. you learn like through real yeah. life experience. Like, yes, mm-hmm. I didn't have that kind of attitude because I was like literally about to give birth, but I was like, yes, it's fine. Whatever. Just go. <laughs> uh, but at one point, I was standing and they thought I was three centimeters dilated because the intern nurse checked me and they're like, do you want us to double check? And I was like, no, (laughs) but I knew I was further along than that. So maybe I should have let them double check. But anyways, I was standing at the bed. Justin's next to me. Intern is like over there somewhere. And Blake literally fell out of me. I did not push she just came out. <laughs> Which anyone's like, how does a baby fall out? I honestly, I read a lot of more books about birth and like, I guess I had like a hypnobirth after I like came out and talked about this. People were like, wow, you had a hypnobirth because the way like my body just started moving in a circle and it was kind of like this huge release feeling and her head came out. <laughs> Oh my God. And, I, and then I did have to push one time to get the rest of her body out, but it was just my husband and I, and the nurse like caught her between my legs. It was insane, but so epic. And I wish everyone could have that same experience because hello, you're not pushing for hours. The baby just came out on her own. Like how freaking cool. But my point of telling you this, that I feel like, oh, you no, know, that is, insane. I prepared my pelvic floor. I was doing these releases and stretches and I didn't do that the first two times. And I felt, I'm like, wow, I actually got to see firsthand, like how impactful, like the release and the, the stretching is for your body. And I like to use the example. I told my husband, cause he was kind of like, is this really going to work? If you, if you were told you have to do the splits, can you do the splits? I cannot. Oh my gosh. No. But if someone told you, Hey Bev, you have to be able to do the splits in six weeks, your legs are going to be <laughs> on, a, on a machine. That's going to split you. In the oh my gosh. No. Like that would hurt. Like- so you're like, so you would stretch every day leading up to that. 
or you would practice like different stretches. You'd hold it for like maybe 10 seconds. And then the next week it'd be like, Girl, I would practice leaving town so that I didn't have to do that. <laughs> I'd be like, where can I hide? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, my no, point no, is no. our body, you know, your body and you know, your <laughs> cervix and your vagina is going to be opened. So like you have to prepare your muscles for that. Like you have the opportunity to, so I really love that you're talking about this because I feel like we hear, you know, women hear, oh, prepare your pelvic floor. And then they just Kegel for 700 years because which that's is the opposite, opposite. and it's age opposite. old advice. And then it turns your pelvic floor like hypertonic, like mine. And then it's forget it, forget it. And Wait, it's tell like us we, about that real quick. Tell us about uh, that because people don't know the, the downside of over Kegeling. Well, and, and for the record, it wasn't that I, like, I wasn't like, I'm pregnant. I need to Kegel, Kegel, Kegel. I didn't actually do that. But like, you just hear that. It, I even think of like the sex in the city episode that they taught, like Samantha's talking about, I'm Kegeling right now. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> right. It's kind of like that whole, like, you know, we joke about things that are real, but not, and not really on, you know, there's difference between intention and impact because we don't really understand the impact mm -hmm. that we're making when we joke about about peeing in our pants or, you know, I hate joking about, you know, wine, you know, wine time all the time. Like it just has, it can sometimes have a much more severe impact. Do I think that we need yeah. to take our life so seriously and not joke? No, of course not. I just think that people don't know what they don't know. And if we're only yes. hearing things about like, it's okay and normal to pee in your pants, then why would you look into see like, is that normal? You know, but like, that's what it, I mean. this, this, the other thing is like, just because it's common, doesn't mean yeah. it's normal. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so because it's common and everyone experiences it, doesn't mean it's a normal thing. Like your that's not your body's normal way of living its life. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And so what happened? And so because of that, right, is that it, it sounds so counterintuitive that you need to release and spend more time releasing. And then if you're having leaking problems or you're having pain, releasing sounds like the worst thing on the planet. Like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. if I release, then my whole uterus is going to come out. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what it can sometimes feel like if you're just overkeeling. <laughs> so it might, but they can listen. It's, it was okay. If your uterus comes out, we can fix it. Like yes, pelvic, yes. there are pelvic floor specialists that Absolutely. can help you. With and that. I, I've had the pleasure now, right? This was, you know, I mean, it's 2022 now back then I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. So right. I know crazy. I just yes. feel like so much more is accepted and so much more is yes. talked about, especially since us like millennials are on this online space, like going through these stages of life together and like, Hey, does anyone have this issue? And we're all talking about it so openly and like in a non-judgmental way. I just love it. It makes me happy. Well, and then before, and then before for me too, I wasn't the first, but I was close to the first, like my circles were just not having children. So right. it was like, my sister was my only person and she, her babies were, you know, they're 16 and 13 now. So she's like, I can't remember back then. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That was like me. I felt yeah. like I was on my own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was on my own and I don't like that. And that's why I like want women to feel like included in like, we're in this together. <laughs> that sounds so cheesy. We're all in this together. <laughs> but, like, you know, like yeah. We got you because we, you and I didn't have that. We didn't have that support. Right. We didn't have that. Like 
that sounding board to like ask for questions, recommendations, like, oh my gosh. And there's just so much more with each pregnancy. I noticed like there was more products, there was more uh, things available. There was more like needs being met. Um, even like baby items, pregnancy items, like there's just on the market, there's just, it's expanding and growing. And it's, I just think it's beautiful. Like, I feel like right now being pregnant, it's just such a flourishing time for pregnant yes. women because there are so many resources now. Yes. And I, I'll also say too, you know, that, that I think a lot of my coaches will sometimes say, you know, why do I need, I can't come into the space. There's already so-and-so doing it, blah, blah, blah. And I just go back to this specific time in my life. And I think to myself, if I had had those resources back then, then it would have been a different game changer. And I think that mm -hmm. sure they existed, but you didn't, not to the extent that they do now. And that there is just so much room and so much space to really grow in whatever it is that you want to grow into, because mm -hmm. there's just so many people that feel like, where are my resources? And we know to look for them now, but when you're in it, if you're not inundated, people, I guess people just not are, people are not inundated in the way that we think they are. Yeah. Yes. That and for anyone, because I know a lot of the, the listeners are starting their own kind of business, but I want them to understand, or you to understand whoever's listening, that people like customers, clients can hear something seven times from different people, but it just takes that one person and maybe the way they present the information with their personality and their background, their experience for it to really click. That's so you might be that person that gets the click for somebody else where they might've heard it. Yeah. They heard it from Joe Schmo and they heard it from Susie and Kelly and all these other people online. But when you say it, it clicks for them and it, it could be a life-changing thing. So that's why I always encourage anyone who's like, I want to do fit pregnancy coaching too. I'm like, you should, because you have a really important story to share. You have an experience that I can't relate to, but somebody else might be, you might be able to help someone that I couldn't. Mm -hmm. so, so true. There's always room for more. Yes. So true. Okay. So, you know, I, I do want to be mindful of your time. So this will be the last question that I ask you. Cause I am curious about, you know, since we did talk about myths, what about the idea and concept of lying on your back? Oh yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> listen, uh, <laughs> I posted about this one time and I got, Oh my God. Okay. So here's the deal. I slept on my back every night when I was pregnant, all my pregnant third, all of it. Oh yeah. That was the only way it was so comfortable. I love sleeping on my back. I still do. Oh and my gosh. My mind is blown. Okay. Listen, yeah. Everyone is different. Everybody <laughs> is different. Okay. And so basically like if you're lying on your back, it could block the blood flow for some women. For me, that was not the case. And I, I know that, like, I don't, I don't tell people like everyone sleep on your back when you're pregnant. I don't recommend it. Obviously doctors are saying don't do it, but I told my doctor and they're like, well, if you feel okay. And I mean, I'm like, I do. And everything's fine. <laughs> so everyone's different, but I did mention it once. I was like, here's like some interesting facts about me when I was pregnant. And I mentioned, I slept on my back every night. People went nuts. They were like, that is awful. You should not tell people this. I'm like, but it's my truth. That's my truth. And I'm not telling people to do it. I'm not 
like I just said, I'm not recommending it, but that is what happened. That's what I did. And what am I going to do? Lie and tell people I never slept on my back. I'm not a liar. I'm not going to put false information out there. So anyways, these other women, they felt so like needing to message me and like, really say like, you know, Kim, that was really bad. You really shouldn't do that. And they were saying like, you know, it could cause, um, loss. Like you could lose your baby from sleeping on your back. And I was like, listen, I would never tell a a woman that something they did caused the death of their child. Never. I'm like getting goosebumps. I'm like, never, never, never would I say you could have prevented this. You could have stopped that. Oh my God. It makes me like tear up because like, I know people that have lost a child and it would, it's never, never the mother's fault, especially a mother who cares and is being intentional with what they're doing. And that is the first way to like stress somebody out, drive them over the edge, make them go into deep depression and anxiety during pregnancy. That's going to continue with them after into motherhood. So like, I would never put that on someone like you need to make every decision based off of your child. Like, no, if, if you know your body and you you're caring for yourself and you know, like, Hey, I can sleep on my back or like, I can do these things comfortably, then it, yeah, I just want to take that pressure off of a woman. I, and I would never want to tell somebody like, you shouldn't do this because it, oh my gosh, it just like, oh, irks me. But yes, <laughs> the original question about like the exercising, that's kind of my answer is like, if you feel comfortable doing it, I have lots of like exercises. I love doing when I was pregnant in like a bridge position, like on my back, but I was never laying flat on my back and it was never for longer than like two or three minutes. So again, you're going to have to know your body and know the pregnant woman's body and, and educate them on that. Like, Hey, if you're starting to feel lightheaded or dizzy from laying on your back, I'm more concerned about like getting from laying on your back to getting up off the floor, <laughs> because that's also something we don't talk about. like, Hey, you know, you got to roll on your side and get up carefully versus like crunching up and like thrusting your body. So I got really yeah. heated for a second. <laughs> so <laughs> what are some, what are some of the signs, you know, that people like if they're laying on their back, like what happens to them if they're to, for them to really start paying attention, like, Oh, maybe the back is not best for you. So I've heard of women feeling lightheaded or dizzy, but I also got a massage once and I was trying to tell her when I was pregnant, I was like, I can lay on my back. I'm fine. And she's like, I thought I could lay on my back when I was pregnant. And I, and I did for her, she was getting a massage and she's like, and then the next thing I knew I woke up and there was like EMTs everywhere. (gasps) So I don't, she didn't like experience anything. So it's, uh, yeah, so it's hard to say. She was fine. She yeah, 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 but passed out, like dozed up. So it's, it's a fine line. And um, I would just say like, you know, if you're feeling dizzy, lightheaded or uncomfortable, like if there's any pain for anything, I would kind of question it, investigate a little bit. A huge thing that I always recommend to pregnant women now is a chiropractor, a prenatal chiropractor wow. Game changer. hundred mm, percent okay. got like alleviated almost all of my pelvic pain, discomforts, backache. Amazing. 10 out of 10. Got to get a chiropractor. If you're pregnant, just putting that body in alignment. Cause your, your pelvis is shifting every day, 
every day. And if it's out of alignment slightly and you're doing your squats and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so painful. You really just a quick little alignment will alleviate that pain there for you. It's amazing. I love that. I love that. I love that. Okay. So okay. I want to be very mindful of your time. Mm-hmm. So thank yes. you so thank much you. for hanging out with us. So yes. for those of you who want to learn more about you, about what you do and who you are, where can I send them? So my handle is Kim Perry co. So Kim Perry co on Instagram and everything is linked there. My website. Um, yeah. That's what I'll give you for now. That's right. And I'm on TikTok. If you're on TikTok. (laughs) Oh my God. Are you kidding? I have to like set a timer. Otherwise I'll be on TikTok all day long. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Ooh, I know. Like I only do TikTok if it's like, like I got a little bit time before bed and I'm like, it's going to be a TikTok night and we're just going to school because I want to laugh and be entertained. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. I love it. Okay. So thank you so much. And we'll link all that up in the show and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.